Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. How are we today? Um, Some of you, I know uh, your kids went to prom last night. I saw so many posts. Some parents, I think, decided to stay home with their kids, hungover maybe. I hope not. Um, So I'm just teasing. I hope not. That'd be really weird. Um, That'd be a weird prom, too. so we're continuing our series. Uh, man, I'm ringing a lot. I got to do something? No? No, okay. <laughs> um, so last night I actually saw a movie uh, with, uh, with, with Jason and some of our boys, and, and, and I was just like, man, this is confirmation for what I'm preaching today. Um, as, I'm, as I'm studying, we're continuing our series. It gets? All right. So we're continuing in that. Um, we may actually... I, I'm not supposed to do this. We may take it all the way through May, because even if you're not loving it, I am. Um, and uh, and I'm, it's just encouraging me. It's building my faith. It's reminding me, reminding my spirit that God is good, and his goodness is always on the way. Um, his goodness is always coming, right? Doesn't mean it gets easier, but it always gets, I don't know. Yeah, with Jesus, everything gets better. So... As, as we're watching it, just, com- just confirmed, just like, this is what I'm supposed to preach on. So, in, in late 1945, and then in January, ni- uh, in late 1944, and then January 1945, World War II, there was a battle, the Battle of Bataan. Anybody know about this battle, Battle of Bataan? So it was a huge loss for the Allies in the Philippines, um, massive, massive life loss, but more than that, tens of thousands of soldiers were captured, tens of thousands. And then they were separated all over the place, sent all over to different regions. But a lot of them, they had to do what was called, anybody know what it was called? I know my dad does. The Bataan Death March. Something like 60 miles they had to walk through treacherous terrain, these POWs. And, and so what, uh, what had happened is uh, the, the, Philippine, the Filipino people were fighting against uh, the Axis powers that invaded their country, the Japanese, and, and they, they lost. They lost uh, soundly, um, but then they had become basically a guerrilla warfare against, against the Japanese, and they partnered, of course, with the U.S., who helped free them eventually, obviously, but they began this death march at that loss of the Battle of Bataan, walking something like 60 miles. But it was called the Bataan Death March because that march was so treacherous and horrific. If you had to go to the bathroom and they saw you, they'd kill you. If some guy couldn't keep walking. And if you've ever been to the Philippines, I've not, but I've been to the Caribbean and I've been to the Asia Pacific, it's hot. Even in January, 90, 100, 110 degrees, and the humidity is thick. Men along the way 
were passing out, they just shoot them right then and there. Some Filipino soldiers, if they couldn't go any further, they would behead them. Right on the spot. No, no compassion, no nothing, just cruelness. And then, and then in January of 1945, they, were, they finally got to this camp and they're set up as prisoners of war and begins maybe the greatest rescue in military history of all time. It's commonly known as the Great Raid. And in January 1945, American military generals seized the plan, partnered with, Filip uh, with Filipino guerrillas, and they would invade this camp. And here's what happens. I'll just read it to you so I don't screw it up. The rescue team trekked something like 50 kilometers just to get in position, and the men waited for darkness to fall. Then all at once they attacked. A special P-61 Black Widow night fighter plane flew overhead to distract the guards. The Japanese were caught completely by surprise when Americans and Filipinos breached the camp perimeters. As estimated, 500 Japanese soldiers were killed in a brief but intense firefight, and just four Americans died. All but two of the prisoners were safely escorted back to cross American lines to safety. The raid at Cabanatuan was just a huge military, it wasn't just a huge military victory. The rescued men were then able to tell us the story of the Bataan Death March, which then invigorated Americans to stand behind the war effort that much more because they saw the horrific things that happened and heard about them. Now, in that moment, when those guys are being marched and they're watching their friends die, and the guys who were, got to the prison camps and they're just, they're just sitting there in these horrific conditions, what are they thinking? I mean, if I'm in that position, and I'm grateful to say I never was, never have been, I probably never will be, I probably think, well, that's it. <laughs> it's over. I'll, I'll be surprised if I make it another day or two or a week. And while that's happening, while this horrible thing is happening, while this death march is happening, and they're marching to this camp, unbeknownst to them, the greatest military minds of their time and leaders of the strongest nation in the world are devising a rescue that would become one of, if not the greatest military rescue of all time. An almost flawless victory. How much more so is your God working on your behalf for your life in all that you face and go through, even when we don't see it? And the book of John ends with that. The book of John is, the, is a letter from John to, to the church, and, and his gospel is the, the description very different from the other gospels, very personal, very uh, heartfelt story of this is, this is the Jesus I knew and I was close to and I loved. And he ends his book with this. In John 21, 25, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Oh man, that just gives me chills, doesn't it? John is like, Jesus did a lot of stuff. 
and the world couldn't contain all that he did. In three years, now they recorded a lot. I don't know about you, but I've not got the Gospels down. Like, I don't have it memorized. I'm not like, I drew all the truths out of it. I'm done. Like, I'm not there. If you've done that, good for you. You're, you probably need help. But um, I haven't. Like, I'm still blown away by the Gospels and the life of Jesus and what he did. And John was like, and there's way more. It couldn't be written down here. I couldn't put it down. What's John telling us? Well, first, it's pretty obvious. Jesus did way more than we know. He did way more than we know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push on this for a minute. Hang with me. If Jesus did way more than we know, could God be contained even in a book, on a, even his own book, Hang with me. <laughs> we believe the Bible is the infallible, 100% Word of God. We were talking about it this morning when, we, when, we, uh, when Robert and I went, we did the uh, weekly morning sausage uh, McMuffin run. <laughs> he bought, God bless him, bless his ministry, because Randy's not here today, living in sin. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hi, Randy. Um, if you're watching online, um, so we're doing, and we're just talking about these churches that kind of leave the faith and just basically leave doctrinal truth and orthodoxy. Why? Like, why? And they just leave the Bible altogether. Like, eh, well, it's kind of good, but we'll do whatever. And I was, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't understand that. Like the church down the road that that has the that has the rainbow flag or says, well, we believe all faiths can come in or this. Like, why don't you just sleep in? Like, if you don't believe this, why get up? <laughs> like, have, sit around, go to Starbucks. I don't, I don't understand it, but, but we do believe that. We believe God's word is 100% God's word, okay? So we don't move on that. If you're like, well, I don't believe that. That's okay, you can still be here. We'll still love you. We'll just disagree with you. It's okay to disagree and be friends, despite what culture says. Okay, so could God be contained, though? Right here, John just said that what God does cannot ever be contained into a book. So here's what you need to know. God is bound to his word, but he's not contained to his word. God doesn't do things beyond the character of his word, but he can do things that his word doesn't talk about. William Barclay said it this, whatever we know of Christ, we've only grasped a fragment of him. Whatever the wonders we have experienced, they are as nothing to the wonders which we may yet experience. Human categories are powerless to describe Christ, and human books are inadequate to hold him. Now, pause. I know the Bible is not a human book, okay? But, moving on. And so John ends with innumerable triumphs, the inexhaustible power and the limitless grace of Jesus Christ. So, here's... I just want to unpack this for just a minute. Unbiblical versus extra-biblical. Okay? Those are two different things. So all the heresy hunters, all the reformers, all the Bible pounders, rah, we believe all the same things you do. We just believe the Holy Spirit 
can do more than even what we see in the book, just not outside of it. For example, God will not lie because it works now. God doesn't accept LGBTQ+, because everybody does now. God doesn't affirm adultery because we're okay with it. God doesn't say, go ahead and cheat on your taxes because the government cheats on me. He doesn't say that, okay? It doesn't affirm that, all right? But what it can say is, can God use Facebook to reach somebody for Christ? Sure, but that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. It can't be true if it's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. They didn't talk, I've looked, I've read it numerous times. Facebook is not mentioned. Sure it is, Mark Zuckerberg, he's the beast. He's not. He's just a weird dude. (laughs) If Mark Zuckerberg's the Antichrist, I am severely disappointed. (laughs) All right, so he's not, that's not it, right? So extra biblical may not be bad. Unbiblical is bad. Things that go against, against the character and the word of God. Those are things that are dangerous and should be run from. Things that contradict the word and his character. I'm going to give you an example. It's just one that's coming to mind. Mm, 70 years ago or so, late 40s and 50s, there was a movement called the Voice of Healing Movement. Guys like Oral Roberts, Gordon Lindsay, William Branham, and others were the guys of this movement. They had tent revivals, and tens of thousands of people came to Christ and were healed. A lot. Documented. One of those guys, I think it was William Branham, he had this weird thing. Now, William Branham got off. He became unbiblical, but hang with me. He had this thing where sometimes when he prayed for people, many people saw his hand would start glowing blue. And then they'd be healed and stuff, and they moved on. Now, that's wild, right? Well, that's not in the Bible. You are correct. That is not in the Bible. It's documented that happened. It's documented that people were healed. So it's extra biblical. Is it unbiblical? Well, why would God do that? Us understanding everything that God does can be kind of a mistake and a trap. As long as it's not against God's... Is it against God's character to heal somebody? I would hope you would say no. Okay? I'm not promising healing in all things at all times at all places. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's not against God's character to heal. Okay? Now, if you create a ministry that says, we're the blue hand healers. Watch me on TBN. Buy my vial. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's my thing. Okay, now you're getting real weird, and you're making whole ministries out of the extra biblical. And that's not cool. It's one of, if you've seen the movie Jesus Revolution, it's some of what Lonnie Frisbee got called out for. Because what he would do is he would sensationalize these moments where the Holy Spirit was doing something genuine, but he was like, everybody look at me! And, 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 and Chuck Smith was like, hey, you know, there's a way to do this without it being like a look at me moment. And if you watch the trajectory of those guys' lives, Lonnie Frisbee really struggled in his personal and emotional and mental and spiritual walk. And Chuck Smith did not. So it does tell you something. Chuck Smith was probably onto something, and Lonnie Smith wasn't. But did God use Lonnie Smith greatly? And in here, yes. 
Okay, the gifts are without repentance. Different conversation. So, extra biblical versus unbiblical, all right? God can do things that we don't fully see in his word, but never outside of the character of who he is in the word. How many of you were led to Christ at some point? Your name's not in here. So that would be extra biblical. You're extra biblical. So am I. But it's not unbiblical. It's very biblical. Do you see what I mean? Okay, so now that you're hanging with me, all right? God speaks through, okay, he speaks through Christian music. Okay. Now, the one thing we don't do if you're like, well, I don't like this, I don't like this. Always, this is where we fall back. This is what we stand on. This is it. You're like, well, I don't agree with everything. Cool. Agree with this, not with me. All right? So, how do we apply that, though? John is telling us it gets better, though. And he says, and I can't even tell you how much. Nobody could. We're going to write these words down, but you'll never fully know him. When, when God closed this book and he was done writing it, God wasn't done. That's the mistake some people make. It's only this. First, this is eternal. So if you think you've understood this, keep working, because you've got a long way to go. This is God's word. It's never done. It's a living, active word that can always speak to us and is always live and is amazing. But John's telling us, but he does so much more. And more specifically, it's true for our lives too. He's doing more than we know, see, think, or imagine. How many of you can look back on your life and in the moment of your prison, in the moment of your death march, in the moment of your worst times, you're like, God, where are you? But now you can look back and be like, Man, he was right there. Man, he held me. What was your prison moment? What was your moment that I'm like, I, I, I want to take my life? What was, many of you have had it, if not all of us, right? And if you hang in there long enough, you're going to see that he has is, he is done way more. And if you can't look back and see that, I would tell you, I can look back, I can look at you now and see it. Do you know why? Because you're still here. And you're still breathing. Which means God's not done and he's brought you this far. Yeah, but I'm miserable. Okay, but you're here. You're not done. You ain't dead. God's not done. And that's good news. That's such good news. Man, I really thought, pun intended, COVID was the death nail of this church. We were like 30, 40 people on a lot of Sundays at that point. You guys remember? A few of you. Yeah, both of you who were there, right? Okay. At the beginning of COVID, I was like, well, that's it. That was a good run. That's fun. Like, there's no way. And yet, God shows up. I think it was week one, we did it in my living room, on my phone. And I got a very compassionate call from Eric saying, Pastor Brian, can I help? 
because it was awful, but it was all we had. And yet God, Eric had done Christian TV with us. He had done Christian TV before. And we set up a studio in their basement, which they loved so much. And, <laughs> and, we, found, and we found software that friends of ours, and, and you don't know this, it went live Sunday, but we recorded it on Saturdays. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I felt I was just right there with you. You actually weren't, but I'm glad it touched you. <laughs> um, but, but, and we were doing better than a lot of large churches. Like, we look good, man. I was like, wow, this is all right. And then we just kept going and kept going. He was doing what I couldn't see. If you're still here, he's still moving on your behalf. God doesn't forget people. There's no one, no one that God is absent-minded of or forgets. How many of us are just doing that right now? God, where are you? Here's the thing. If God's word is forever true and forever active to us, what John said there, it means Jesus didn't just, di he, he didn't just do in past tense. Jesus is doing way more than we know. Right now, he is doing more. The Bible says he never grows weary he's always working we sang about it this morning right even when i don't see it you're working isaiah 40 says this okay isaiah 40 28 through 31 have you never heard have you never understood the lord is the everlasting god the creator of all the earth he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He's doing so much right now. So this is an example, okay? The whataboutists are like, well, what about this? And I don't like that analogy because it's an analogy. Take a, take a breather. Thank you, Nathan. So if, I, if we have, we have the chest, let's just say for a minute, that this chessboard right here, okay, is all of humanity and human history. Representing every life and every person that ever existed, every nation, every movement, every historical, uh, uh, every historical group that ever existed, the, the, the Spanish Inquisition to the Crusades to the Byzantine Empire, Ottoman Empire, the fall of Rome... Uh, Mongolia, uh, Genghis Khan, and everything in between. And, and let's just say, now, again, analogies are just analogies. They're not perfect. Humanity isn't a game to God. It's not like it's not versus the devil. That's not how, I'm, just hang with me for a second, okay? And if we're moving pieces around the board and things are happening, you know what we are? We're the pawn, we're, maybe we're the knight if we're lucky, you know, we're, we're this guy here, we're the, some of you are like, I'm the queen, that's me, good for you, okay, that's fine, okay, whatever it is, all right, but wherever you are in the story, we're like, God, what, God, where are you, I don't know what you're doing, I don't see you, blah, blah, blah. and God's outside of it, he's not in this, 
Now, he's in and among and as far as he's omnipresent with us. But he's not right here. He's here. He is over and around and in it and through it, not bound to it and in control of it. And when I'm like, I, I, it's, it's, it looks like, look, God, we lost all these pieces. It's down to these guys. And the Lord's like, I got a plan. I got it. I'm in control. Just hang on. I'm doing more than you can see, ask, think, or imagine. Because he's not bound to time and space. He's outside of it. He has no beginning or end. He's God. Jesus did and is doing way more. Has anybody ever played a game of chess and you're just like, oh, I just need a nap? <laughs> no! Well, infinitely more true for our God. He is not tired. He is not weary. And the story of humanity, we were talking about things in America this morning, and it's never good. <laughs> like, we're just like, how can it get but so much worse every single day? Just a collection of horrible decisions constantly being made. How is this possible? But God's outside of it like, I got it. I know what's happening. I'm not worried. And some of you are like, I don't feel that way. America's great right now. Man, I want to live in your world. But, but you may feel that way in a year or two or five. And it's still always true that he's in control and moving. And he's moving on our behalf when we can't. When we want control and fight for it, we just... Have you ever, have you ever played this game and you're seeing the rook being like, come on, move! Ah! If so, you're playing the Ouija board and you should play something else because that's not what happens in chess, all right? It doesn't happen because we're not in control. But the best news is we know who is, who's in charge. It gets? It does because he's doing more than we can see. You can go through long seasons where it's like, God, I don't feel you. I don't see you. I don't give it time. Because he is. He is moving. You don't have to feel him. God's not a feeling. You don't have to see him. He is invisible to a human eye. But not to the eyes of our spirit. He is moving. And when we don't see it's what scripture means, where it says, for the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Is he doing more than what you see? I want you to think about your life right now, and I want you to think about what's going on. The person you're hurting for. And you're like, they're so far gone. I just can't even talk to them. The thing, and, and maybe for you, it's the country. Like, it's just so, it's so dark right now. I don't know what to do. My circumstances, I just can't turn around. My, my finances are just absolutely wrecked. 
I'm so far behind. My kid is so lost. I've been so thrown under the bus. I've dealt with that one. As much as I would love to say all people in ministry, they're just so, so also godly. That, that has not been my experience. And man, I've had some guys just throw me under the bus. Pastors just flat out lie about me to my face in front of other people. Just crush me. I think, how, how do you call yourself a man or woman of God? Some of you, that's your story. The church hurts. I want to validate that for a second. Church hurts for sure it's real. Because the church is filled with people. And while God loves people, people don't always act like a loving God. And they can do do awful things. Including myself. No doubt about it. But in those moments, forget what the church did. What is Jesus doing? Where would we be if Joseph, when he was thrown into prison, had just been like, well, the church hurt me, so I'm just going to forget it. I'm going to start reading Richard Dawkins and go to community college. Here we go. Like, good for you. We'd all be screwed. Thank God for somebody like Joseph who says, when I am in the pit, in the palace, or in the prison, my God is good, and I will follow him. I was driving this morning for a minute, praying and, and taking care of a couple things, and, and that just, it hits me, you know, somebody I know, they lost a child a few years after we lost a child, and they left the faith because of it, and I, and I think, well, why are we in and they're not? It's not because I'm better, but there was a point where you decide, is God good despite what's happening? Is he doing things despite what I can or can't see? Is he God despite circumstance? What if I get to the end and it still doesn't work out? Get to the other side of the end. You're going to see it's working out. Sorry, but the story of Jesus is it only gets better and it's only hope. And this is from guys who are beaten, imprisoned, left for dead, stoned to death, crucified upside down, boiled in oil, thrown on an empty island, and has horrifying visions of the end. And all of those guys and women of God said, it's so good. I would have been like, I, it feels not good. <laughs> like the second rock I could endure, but the third one really hurt. <laughs> That's not what they said. They saw the goodness of God in all the things because they knew the end and they knew his character. So if Jesus did more than we know and is doing more than we know, it stands to reason Jesus will do more than we know. That the end will never be the end. That the other side, it just gets better though. Some of you have felt the sting and pain of divorce. And I'm sorry. It gets better, though. 
some of you have felt the, the loss and strain of financial pain that of a, it feels like a ditch you just can't dig out of. God's a provider and it gets better though. If anything I've seen in life, I'm 43, almost 44, is that life is filled with mountains and valleys. We all want the consistent upstream of just a climb up the mountain. I'm going to stop off here at the chalet, overlook the great, beautiful view, be fed hot chocolates while somebody's massaging my feet, then hop back on the tram back uphill. That's what we think. Like, that's, if I'm serving God well enough, that's what it's going to be. God bless you. <laughs> You're adorable. That is not what it's going to be. It's going to be awesome and awful. Sometimes at the same time. But Jesus' goodness. We sang it today. All my life you've been faithful. Some of us, and even myself at times, like, well, I don't, I don't know if I feel that way. <laughs> well, we're not singing about your feelings. <laughs> we're singing about what's true. I like, actually, Alan shot it to me, a pastor we both listened to. Like, well, I don't like that in the Bible. I don't like that in the song. Well, guess what? He's got a throne and you get a chair. <laughs> we want to comment and criticize on God's word and his character based on our lack of understanding. Do we realize how inverted that is? And pretty arrogant. And Jesus will do more than we know. What you and I are seeing is only the beginning. What's happening here, what, what God is doing, even in our midst, and what he's done through us, and what he's going to do, it's only getting started. What he's doing in your life is only getting started. Of course you want to win. First Corinthians thirteen twelve. If you do all the things for God in your lifetime, you say all the right things, you establish a huge ministry, you touch a bunch of lives, you save a bunch of kids, you start orphanages in, in foreign countries, you provide food for those who are hungry, you do all these things. The truth is, on this side of eternity, no matter how big it is, you really won't know what made a difference. It's only on the next side. And some of you, you think, I've tried so hard and I feel like I got nowhere. I got so little done. I'm not doing much for God at all. I'm just doing what I can, where I am, with what I got. Here's what Paul said. We see things imperfectly. Like puzzling reflection, reflections in a mirror. But then, and he's talking about in eternity, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I'll know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. We might see as what we might see as a failure. God may make a victory. You know, years ago, we had a neat season in ministry with our youth when we were youth pastors and 
man, God just blew up on our youth. A lot of kids coming to Christ and filling the place and getting filled with the Spirit and leading their friends to Jesus. It was cool. Now we fast forward 20 years, almost. And you know what? Some of those kids are doing great. Some of those kids aren't walking with Jesus at all. I don't understand it. A lot of college ministry, Madison Masters Commission. Jen was a part of it. Well, she's doing awesome. But all of them are. Some of them are doing terrible. One of them went to prison for a while. We don't know. And even here, I'm talking about it now, I still don't know. I don't know what's going to be on the other side of eternity. What I do know is God is working and God is moving and Jesus is for you and he's fighting for you. The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you day and night. You and I don't pray like that. Think about that. He is eternally before the King of kings and Lord of lords and he's saying your name. And yet we give up. We become so hopeless so quickly. We're so easily discouraged. We become so weary so easy. <laughs> I remember some people being like, oh, I got to step out of this. Why? Well, I'm just burned out. Well, what's going on? Well, this and that and the other. Oh, okay, like, is this taking a lot of your time? Not really. But you're burned out. Yeah. Okay. Because we're not a controlling church. I'm not going to make somebody keep doing something. But like, we, we do that. We get so easily discouraged. And mostly it's because we just start looking right here instead of up here. He parted the sea. He burned and took out the prophets of Baal. He set Paul free. He raised Lazarus. He established the church. We've seen revivals come and go. He led you to himself. He lived a sinless life. And then he rose again three days later. And then he sent his spirit. And we're worried, God, how am I going to tithe this week? Man, we think small sometimes. How am I ever going to find somebody who I can spend my life with? If you found Jesus, the rest is going to come. Relax. You found the most important thing, the rest will come. How am I ever going to be forgiven over this or forgive that person? Do you know Jesus? Do you know what he does? Do you know how big he is? set our eyes on the king who is working and doing more than we could ask think or imagine lift up your eyes to the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth somebody in here feels like i got nothing left got nothing left to lose. Give it to Jesus. And you're like, God, I just need you to move. 
you haven't caught it already, he already is. He's already moving. He's already working. He's already touching you. He's already moving circumstances on your behalf. You stay close to him. Don't figure it all out. Don't create, don't create, uh, don't create a, 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 an Ishmael when you're waiting for an Isaac. Don't do it. God use that, but don't do it. Okay? Just lean in. Say, God, come on. I'm with you. You got this. And no matter how it turns out, I'm with you. Because you're God and you're good. If it looks like failure and I go off a cliff, you'll lift me up. If not, you'll take me home. Either way, I'm with you. Because you're Jesus. You're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You are Messiah. And you call me son. You call our daughter. You've written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's calling you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.